There's a guy named Dennis who one summer afternoon spent a considerable amount of his time and showed a lot of patience in teaching me how to slalom. And uh, that opened up a whole new world that for years and years after that I would get all this enjoyment out of it. A couple of years after uh, I learned that, I was sitting on the front porch one day uh, at our house. I lived in North Memphis and we had a red porch. It's just one of those why, I don't know, it's just an odd thing, but uh, it was there. And I remember sitting on that porch and my dad came in from work and uh, he said, hey, I just found out today that Dennis was killed in action, um, was killed in Vietnam. And I remember sitting there uh, actually reading, and at that time there was a morning paper and an afternoon paper, and there would be a little block on the first, like up in the corner of the paper where they would list those who were killed, those who were wounded, and those who were, you know, from my hometown uh, that were there. And just thinking about that event, and then years later realizing, I don't even remember Dennis's last name. I can barely remember what he looked like. All I know is there's this guy who was a few years older than me, and he was willing to go out on a lake with a 12-year-old and spend some time teaching him a new skill and having some fun. In a small way, that's a little bit about what Memorial Day is about. My father-in-law fought in the Second World War. My dad fought in Korea. They could identify so much more than my generation with the loss of friends and family members. Men and women who did good deeds and most of those, we will never know even their names. We won't know all about their deeds. Most of those did things that many people or maybe no one else ever even saw. But the thing about it is that they didn't do it for that reason. They didn't do it for the fame. They didn't do it for the recognition. They just did what they needed to do for our country and to extend freedom in places where they didn't have that, and they did it with no strings attached. The title of this series is, is Good Deeds. I keep changing the title in my mind because I had several working titles, so every week I'd say, oh, the, uh, the Doing Good series. And I go, your series is not named Doing Good. I said, what is the name of my series again? It's Good Deeds. And as we make our way into summer, we're trying, you know, we're encouraging one another to find creative ways of just doing good, of just, just bringing good deeds back into our lifestyle as followers of Jesus. And what my side agenda is, is you know, what I would love to see happen is for us to saturate greater Knoxville area with unprecedented goodness, with just small acts of kindness and generosity as well as, you know, big sweeping giant steps of, of faithfulness that may call on you to have to sacrifice in order to be able to get something done, to change somebody else's life. And in this series, we've been learning from Jesus what it really uh, means to do good. And so far, we've discovered that, that doing good means following Jesus for the sake of others. Doing good means seeing people as Jesus sees them and finding a way to bless them. Doing good means feeling what Jesus feels, knowing God's heart for those who are, 
the most needy, the most vulnerable, not just in our little culture here, but all around the world. And today, we find out that doing good means to serve others with no strings attached. Believing that doing good is always worthwhile regardless of the response of others. Even when there's no payback, there's no thank you. Our story today is found in John chapter 4, verse 46, all the way to 54. Jesus has begun his public ministry, and he's been making his way through the countryside, performing at least one miraculous sign that we know about, and teaching about the uh, kingdom of God. So what I'd like to do is to pick up the story in verse 46, and let's just read this together. Then when he went again to Canaan of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine, there was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and to heal his son, for he was about to die. Jesus told him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, Come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus said, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his slaves met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked them what time he got better. Yesterday at seven in the morning, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized that this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. Then he himself believed along with his whole household. This, therefore, was the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. This is a really intriguing story to me. Uh, And it only has two primary characters. You have Jesus, and you have this royal official. And I was curious about what is a royal official. Uh, And it could mean that he was of royal blood himself, that he was a part of the king's household, Uh, by relationship, or that he was a high-ranking servant who who answered directly to the king. He's like a VP. He's like one of the important guys in the kingdom. Uh, And you can explore this event, this story, from the perspective of either character. You know, most of the time I've heard this story taught or preached, it's been from the perspective of the royal official. You know, and how strong his faith in Jesus must have been. And he, he took Jesus at his word and just believed him and that that was kind of a big thing for him to do. Then he makes this 20-mile journey home all by himself, just trusting, just assuming my son's alive. Everything's going to be okay when I get there. He's, he's been restored back to his health. And that's a great way to see this event. And most of the time, that's kind of the, the angle that, that you know, I've, I've read this from and heard it taught about. What I want to do today is I want us to think for a moment about this story from the perspective of Jesus. I want to watch and learn from Jesus how he ministers to this royal official because he does it freely with no strings attached. And I'll show you what I mean when I say that as we we kind of walk through this together. Jesus' ministry had consisted primarily of, of two things, his teaching and his miraculous signs. What's so uh, kind of fascinating about that is when we watch Jesus closely, what we discover is really his words and his actions were just two expressions of the same reality. 
He was always doing the same thing, just in a couple of different ways. Both his teaching and his miracles showed people something about the kingdom of heaven. The kind of life that he was making available to people. He was showing people that the life, the way God intended when he created the world was a kind of life that through Jesus could be restored. And when he taught, he taught about the kingdom where goodness prevails, where people treat one another with respect, where love defeats selfishness, where the hurt, the needy, and the neglected find comfort, care, and community, where brokenness gets restored, where God is honored, and ultimately one day where all things that are wrong in the world will be made right again. And Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom. He began to show people this is what it's going to look like. This is what it feels like in the kingdom of God. Healing the sick and giving sight to the blind and calming the storm, releasing people from the power of evil, making the lame walk, giving people victory over even death. These weren't just gimmicks, tricks to kind of get people's attention and, hey, listen to me and watch. I'm going to show you this next cool thing that I can do. Rather, what it was, it it was early evidence that the kingdom of God was present, and it was coming. And Jesus was making it clear to everyone that the pathway to this kingdom was through him. He was the king of the kingdom. And he proclaimed this, and he demonstrated this. We find in Scripture that there are a lot of people that honestly just didn't have much interest in what Jesus was teaching. They weren't persuaded by the things that Jesus said. They didn't come thinking, oh, I hope we get a sermon. I hope we get, you know, Jesus is going to say something kind of, you know, interesting to us. Now, these people were actually not about that, but they were curious about all the things that he was doing. They were attracted and drawn to to the beautiful things that Jesus did. And that he, even though they, they might not come to grips with uh, his spiritual teaching. It's, it's a lot of them, they just weren't there yet. You know, they just, eh, I don't know about that. But I know this, the guy seems to be addressing real human needs. And in Jesus, we see somebody who really seems to care deeply and, and authentically about our problems. And in Jesus, we see somebody who's willing and able to help. There's something so attractive about that. And this seems to be the case for this royal official who came. And the Bible says, literally, my version says, he pleaded with him. A good translation would say, he just kept begging. You ever have your kids or, you know, somebody just to beg? And they don't just say, hey, do you you think we can go do this? No, I don't think so. Okay, that's good. I just thought I'd ask. I don't know about your children. Mine weren't wired that way. That was the first. And then it starts, and then just and I picture this as like an adult version of that. Jesus, please come on, just come help us. No, I can't, you know, right now I'm just I need you to why don't you? You never do, you know, and then just he just he's just begging and he's just begging for Jesus to do something and to get involved. He was disinterested, maybe, in Jesus' proclamation about the kingdom, but he was desperate for Jesus' demonstration about the kingdom. And this attitude isn't really far from the reality I live in. If I walk into a deli or if I walk into a Starbucks and say, Hi, everybody, 
I'm here to tell you about God and the kingdom. Put that down. I don't find, you know, if I were to do that, you would think, oh, one of those guys. I could go down to Market Square and I could just stand next to the guys already there and say, I bet I can do this better than you. Hey, and just yell at you. How many of you stop and go, this is so compelling. Guy in Starbucks came and I just leaned into it. I thought, this is so good. Can I get another cup? Now, most of us would go, oh. There's something different about the way Jesus approached this moment in his ministry. Jesus starts down the road of a spiritual conversation. I mean, he wants for this man to know not only the healing of his own son, he wants him to know the greater restoration that he's come to provide. I mean, he wants this royal official to get the bigger picture. This is so much more. I mean, I respect the fact that your son's sick and, and, and we, we need to do something about that. But really, but he's, the guy just cuts Jesus off. You know, Jesus just begins to say, well, you know, all you people. And he just says, uh, 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 I don't want to talk about that. Don't start witnessing to me. He just says, sir, sir, excuse me, sir, come down before my child dies. I appreciate all you're saying, and I'll look into that, but you know what? I've got a kid at home, and he's at the point of death. And I understand you can do something about that, and maybe you can make a difference. This is so humiliating because I am a royal official. If you can do something, please stop talking and just do it. What is Jesus' response? Does he sit the guy down and say, whoa, buddy, that's not the way this works, and just lecture him about religious things? Let's start with systematic theology, and from there, we're going to go into the history of Christianity, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let you see you know, how this plays out. And he didn't do that. Did he stop at walking through the plan of salvation? Hey, I appreciate that about your son, but... Let me show you something here in the book of Romans. Now, Romans hadn't been written yet for one thing, but for the other thing, that, that really wasn't the agenda for the moment. I mean, does he talk to him about, well, I'm sorry to hear that about your son, but do you know that you need to repent? Do, do, can I talk to you about repentance and forgiveness? Or did he fill up the guy's bag with, you know what, I've got some tracks here. I'm just going to give you some literature, and I want you to read this. You come back, and, you know, and if you, there's a number on the back you can call. There's a, there's a website you can go to. I mean, this is from the local synagogue. It's all mainline, and, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. No, you know what? Jesus didn't choose to talk at this uh, point to the man about the kingdom of God. Rather, he chose to show him. This is what this looks like. And Jesus gave the man just what he was looking for, just what he was asking. Assurance that his son would be healed. He knew that at the top of this guy's agenda, the most important thing in the world, the thing he woke up every day thinking about, the thing he fell asleep every night worrying over and just, just consumed with was his son because his son is dying right in front of his eyes. And one of the things I love about Jesus is he just gives him this. And, and he, he, he doesn't even uh, follow him home to make sure I get the credit for that. You know, yeah, I think your son's healed. Let's get, come on, let me show you. Yeah, I did that. That was me. That was me. No, Jesus just, he just walks away. He blesses the man with no strings attached. He meets his needs. He sends him on his way. And then Jesus goes on about his way. That ought to do it. That, I think that takes care of him. 
Jesus allowed the man the dignity and the opportunity to put two and two together. And that is exactly what happened. Here's what the Bible says. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and his household believed. He said, can you, can you imagine it? The story of Jesus, I think, is just a real clear uh, illustration for us that the demonstration of the kingdom is often more important than the proclamation, knowing what moments or what. I think in our day, people are so cynical. There's so, so much skepticism. In a time where we live and people talk a lot about the things of God, you know, you flip around on, on cable or... You know, you, and there's just a lot of talk, and there's some pretty odd characters, right? I mean, if you ever, I mean, there's some unusual personalities. And sometimes I'm, I just, you know, I stop in one of those, and I think, wow, if I were not a believer, I don't know that I'd want to be at this moment, because that would make me like that guy, and I'm not so sure that's where I want to go with my life. I think it's more important than ever that we let our actions speak at least as loud as our words. Because I don't know about you, but the people I run into are a little confused. They're a little fuzzy on who Christians are and what this is about. But when we do good, they get that. When we do good, we can show people more about the kingdom than most of our words would ever, ever express. Now, I want to be clear about, about this. We, we do want people to hear and to embrace the message of Jesus. We want everybody, everywhere, to hear the truth uh, about their need of forgiveness. I, I don't want to be misunderstood and say, so, we're just going to do good things and you know, just don't worry about it, that's all there is to it. It's not about that. But we can't demand a hearing. God never asks us, I want you to help my kingdom grow, and the way we're going to do that is by tricking people, by manipulation, by coercion, by arm-twisting, that's kind of how we're going to get this going. No, 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 no. Jesus is this bold community that follows Christ. We grow when, when people find ways to serve the world, when we do good in the lives of people around us, and there's no strings attached. Yeah, we're going to be ready to give an account to anybody when the time is right, when the Lord moves you to share, and when people have demonstrated an openness to the Holy Spirit. In the meantime, it's doing good parts not always easy. There'll be times when we wonder, man, are the good things that I'm doing actually making a difference? Does anybody care? Uh, I'm not seeing this lead to something real positive. Paul understood that, and he said this in Galatians 6, 9. He said, let us not become weary or tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. If we don't give up. I mean, there's going to be a lot of times when we do good and there seems to be no result or little result. And you think, I'm just banging my head against so I don't know why am I doing this. Why do I do this? But Paul says, you know, you just hang in there and just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. Don't look at the results. Don't look at payday. Just keep doing what you're doing and, and it's going to happen. You can't give up. You can't give up. Doing good with no strings attached, it's not easy, but it's so good. It's just
just so good. And I'm going to suggest that doing good is good really for like three groups of people. First of all, it's good for us. For those of you in the room, for those of you who can hear my voice, and you're a follower of Jesus, when we do good things without any expectations, without any demands for a response, without any kind of a, you know, oh, did we not tell you? It's in the fine print that if we do this, you've got to do this. No, when we learn that ultimately, it's, it's not even about our work. It's not about us. It was never about us. It's all about God. It's all about his reputation and his work in the world. I don't know about you, but that's liberating because we can just back off all of the attempts we have to control the situation and simply make ourselves open and available to, to what God might be doing. Some of my first mission trips, uh, and I've been to a, a lot of different places in, in, in Latin America and in, in Central America and South America, and then more recently in Haiti. I've been to Haiti about five or six times, and one of the things that we used to do is we would do, you know, we always do these medical clinics, and we would say, okay, here's the line of people, and first you check in, and then you, you, you kind of get your, your vitals, you, you meet with somebody who's going to kind of figure out a big picture about here's what they are, and then they're going to give that person to the doctor, and the doctor's going to kind of make a diagnosis, and then they go to the pharmacy to get a prescription, and this is the part they really came for because medicines in most places in the world, other than the U.S., when we think they're expensive, and they are, but they're rare and expensive, hard to get a hold of, so they, what they're there for is really to get that. And on one trip, we diverted them. We said, well, before you can get your physical prescription filled, you have to get your spiritual prescription filled. And we thought it was a good idea. I mean, we, and we were sincere. We were genuine about it. So we would pull people off, and we would share the gospel with them and ask them, do you receive or do you not? And sometimes they would say, yeah. Can I get the medicine? If I say, what do, I, do I say yes at this point, and then I get my antibiotics? You know? We go, no, that's not the way it works. It was just kind of misunderstood. So we made a decision after a while of doing that, and we tried different ways. And we gathered them up and preached to them, you know, and, and I, I did that many times. And, and we've done all different kinds of things. We hit on something several trips ago, and we thought, you know what? I think we're being misunderstood. I think people feel like there's this hidden agenda, that we've got this other thing going. And we said, that degrades what we're trying to do. So we said, let's do, let's do this. Let's just people come through the clinic, and we tell them, you don't have to do anything. All you've got to do is be sick. You've just got to have something wrong. And we're going to take care of you. You don't even have to say thank you. Don't worry about that. And we just let people come through. Now, here's what we would do is at the end of that time, when we, they've seen the doctor and, and when we're talking to them, and, you know, and there's always guys like me hanging around who are just kind of there. They, we're taking care of things and pretending we know a lot more than we do. Uh, and, and at some point, we say, you know, before you go, would you mind, would it be okay with you? May I just say a prayer over you? Could I just pray a prayer of blessing for you and your family? It's very rare that I, I, I don't know, I can't even think of a time I've had somebody say, no, no, I just want the meds, just want the drugs, okay? Can we, can we get out of here? I've never, everybody always says, yeah, sure. And I just, I say, okay, thank you so much. And I just pray over them. You would not believe how many times that out of that prayer, it initiates a spiritual conversation. It doesn't feel manipulative. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like uh, this is what we're really trying to steer you toward is this moment. Although in a way, it kind of is. I mean, the, the, the physical healing is important to us, but the spiritual moment 
And it's come so many times. And I remember our last trip together, and some of you were there, you could see, you know, the, the people who prayed to receive Christ. Because sometimes in those conversations, rebels say, do you have a place of worship? Do you have a network of believers around you? Has there ever been a time in your life that you've trusted Christ or that, that you... And so many times, just beautiful thing where it just unfolds in a natural way. But there's no strings attached. And I guarantee you, if you were to go to an orphanage in Haiti and say, hey, do you remember the guy who rubbed that cream in your hair? Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Oh, yeah, that was Dan Riley. He gave me his card. <laughs> no, you know what? They don't know. They're not going to remember us. But that's not why we're doing it, right? We know that. And the beautiful thing is when you just say, God, I want to I live for you and I want to do good things today. And I know this is going to come back. It's going to be good for me. Then you don't have to manufacture opportunities. You don't have to manipulate the outcome. The good we do doesn't come with a sales pitch for our church. Hey, we'll do this. You know, we'll go over here where we work and we have inner center ministry. And we think, okay, here's the deal. Before we give this to you, you got to agree to come to our church. We don't, we don't do that. We, that's not the, what we're about. It, it, we don't have to be constantly thinking about how am I going to turn this around to a conversation about spiritual things. We just need to be ready to respond to whatever God seems to be doing at that moment. The pressure's off. I just, I just hope that frees you up and you think, oh, okay. Well, I've got this kind of an introverted, quiet personality, and I'm never real comfortable with that part where I have to go, Ugh, and I have to say this thing that you taught me to know how to say. I mean, there's times that may be okay, okay? So um, I, I, maybe I'll get some response on that. I'm not saying I'm against you learning a method that fits and works for you, but I'm saying we need to be careful to be authentic, that that has to come from a genuine place from within, and, and we make ourselves available to whatever else as the, the things progress and as things move along that God wants to do. When we do good like that, it's good for us. It's good for us. I mean, I can't tell you how many moments I've been in that I've walked away from and thought, God, if I had planned that, if I had, you know, just nailed this down with, with some scheme or method of my own, it could not have worked out more beautifully and more perfectly than when I just released myself into that moment with you and just wanted to do good. Doing good is also good for others. I mean, it keeps the doors of their lives open rather than closed to, to what God is doing. And because of this reality, we find ways to serve people. And we need to be sure that we're not just using them as a means to our own end. See, when people begin to feel the tug of a string that's attached, then they're going to begin to feel used and unimportant and unheard and devalued. I was on the Navajo Reservation. I've been out there a couple of dozen times. And there were some people who went out there and were actually serving with our denomination. And I was kind of a rev. They had this little house trader. They didn't live out with They lived in this house trader. And the, the lady had kind of a grumpy, you know, she was kind of cranky about things. You know, I thought this is just her personality. And uh, one day I was at the end of the, uh, the trailer, and I'm talking to a couple of friends, a couple of Navajo guys, and... She comes out the back door because some ladies had come up to the door and wanted something from her. I think it was clothes, and she had these boxes of clothes we had brought out. And, uh, and, and she told the lady something, and she just kind of had a harsh tone. And, 
And, and finally, the ladies walked off, and before she closed the door, she said, Oh, these Indians, and closed the door. How awkward is that? How weird was that, me talking to these guys like, you know, I'm not like her. And you guys don't still carry bow and arrows, right? That's not, you know, you don't have, you know, that's, that's over, yes? I, you know, I just thought, it just revealed her. I thought, what's your, why are you doing this? Why are you living out here in the middle of the desert and you don't love these people? You don't care about these people. You need to move back to wherever it is you used to live and just watch television. Actually, I got so upset, I called the mission board. <laughs> I called a friend of mine's on the board, and I said, hey, you got to know about that. I'm tattletelling. Yes, I am. And, you know, and I just blew the whistle and uh, put it on WikiLeaks. I mean, I was just all over the place with it about it. Uh, and the funny thing is, my friend, did some, he called me back, and he said, not the first time we've heard this about this couple. And he's even though they're real close to retirement, and I think the deal was they were going to try to let them ride it out, we're going to pull them off the field. We're going, to, we're going to find something else to do. Boy, I felt really great about that. <laughs> but, you know, the, the point is, is I, I, I don't want us to be the reason that somebody closes the door on God. And everything else just gets completely lost. No, what we want to do is to, to draw people close. We want to see that door open to a life with God. When you bless people in ways that meet their needs, when you show them dignity and respect, when you respect their openness, the, the door to other things that God has in store for them begin to open and stay open. I know because I've been on the other side of that. I've been on the other side of that where I was not a church member. I was living a whole different kind of lifestyle in this little church close to us. My dad had a heart attack back in the day that when you had a heart attack and quadruple bypass surgery, you were in the hospital like a couple of months. It wasn't like three days. I mean, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a big ordeal. And this church is bringing spaghetti over. That's just what people, that's what church people eat. They're bringing casseroles and they're bringing, all, and they're just coming on thinking, what are you people doing? And it's like, here, we just, we know you kids are hungry. I'm like 16, 17, you know, and my mom's just freaking out, so she stays at the hospital with my dad all the time. So I've become big brother slash dad, you know, around the house. And not that that's, some of you have gone through a lot worse than bigger things than that. But I was just so impressed by these people. I don't even, I don't, I don't even know you people. How did you even know we were doing this or going through this? And they're all just so sweet, and they just give it, they just give it and walk away. And one of the things I was impressed with, because I was waiting to see the stream. I was waiting to hear the catch. Oh, by the way, those casseroles, that's going to cost you Sunday school. Yeah, you got to come to the next youth event if you want more of that. You know, I mean, no, they didn't, they didn't do that. But I did end up, coincidentally, through some friend's influence, going to that church later and began to visit. And one thing led to another, and that church licensed me to the ministry. And I don't think that was their intention. They weren't sneaky about it at all. When you bless people, it's good for them. And I think it's important because when the time comes that somebody's ready to understand more, they don't have to overcome now a bad experience with us in order to hear the good news. I'm going to ask you something. This is going to call for a little vulnerability. And if you're not a believer or follower of Jesus today, 
wow, I hope this, this doesn't like push you in, in more in that direction because we want you to know Christ. But I'm going to ask the believers in the room, how many of you hesitated coming to Christ or you saw that there was a barrier in knowing Jesus because of Christians, because of some of the Christians you saw, maybe an experience you had with a church or a Christian? Me and Derry, okay, and Roger, okay? And we're, we're all kind of we were like rebellious guys anyway. So... Um, no, I mean, that was the hoop I had to jump through sometimes is I, 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 I visited this church with this guy and I didn't, I just thought, oh my goodness, so if I, let me get, <laughs> let me make sure I'm understanding this. If, if I do this, if I join your club, then I'm going to be like that guy? Yeah, that's it. Oh, you know what? If I just want to go to church more often on Sunday mornings instead of sleeping in, and if I just want to be a little more legalistic and have some religion in my life, maybe I can find another way to do it. But I don't want to be like that guy. He seems kind of selfish. He seems kind of self-righteous. He seems a little... You know, and that, honestly, that probably added six months to my journey before Jesus. I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that girl. No, we want to be the people who, who others would look at us and say, you know what? He just makes me want to be a Christian. And as I began to attend and as I began to meet people, I began to find that that guy didn't represent all of the kingdom of God. No, it was those ladies bringing casseroles and those people saying, hey, you need a ride tonight. And, and hey, what are you doing after church? Why don't you come eat lunch with us? I'm thinking, why are these people doing these good things to me? A long-haired <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, I didn't fit. But they loved me in spite of that. Let's don't be barriers. Thirdly, doing good is good. It's just good for the kingdom of God. It's just consistent. It makes sense. It just flows. When we follow Jesus by doing good, when we're merciful, when we're kind, when we're generous, when we show compassion to hurting people, when we care about people who are in need, we aren't simply showing people what the kingdom is like. This is, this, we're doing this so that you'll get this. Now, you know what we're doing? When, when, when those moments come, and I've had several people today tell me about some moments this week you've had, and I'm, I love it. I just, it's just beautiful. When you do that, you're partnering with God in making His kingdom a reality in our present lives and in other people's present lives. You're extending the kingdom. The boundaries are increasing. It's a lot easier for people to understand what we're about when we don't just talk about it, but when we're doing it. You see, this is how the kingdom of God works. When we do good to others liberally, with no strings attached, we discover the kingdom growing in and around us in all these unexplained ways and unexpected places. I heard someone this week on the news, and it wasn't a Christian station, but they said, I was, I was on a machine and I was trying to kind of listen, you know, and I've got one of those quirky headphones that you have to thump it, you know, to kind of get it where you can hear. Uh, so, I, I, but I think I got this right. They said, as far as they knew, every church this past week in Joplin had done something to reach out to, to minister, to bring healing and restoration after the tornado. Every church. I just thought, yeah. 
I mean, we went down to Katrina. My son and I went down about six weeks after. One of the guys there, he said, churches. He said, you guys are amazing. He said, you were the first ones on the field. And you didn't treat us with disrespect. He said, you, 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 you weren't patronizing to us. You just hit the ground and started doing good things. And it's funny, the newscaster said that the spread of the gospel in Joplin, uh, the reputation of the churches, of Jesus' reputation, had gone way up. People just doing good. Don't wait for a catastrophe to do something good. The reason we do good with no strings attached, without requiring anything, without demanding something, without coercing people to respond favorably, is because we know that the good that we do to people is just to respond. You know, when we respond to them favorably, because we, we know that the good we do is an active part of the advance of the kingdom of the Lord. That's why we go to Haiti. That's why we do the things that we do. They're not going to know us. They're not going to remember our names. I was in the mall one day in, a, in, a, in the food court, and a guy came up to me, and he said, Hey, did you, uh, he, he said, uh, did you ever speak in high schools? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. He goes, I think you came to my school one time. And he said, uh, in the gym, and you spoke, and he told me where he went to school, and I go, yeah, I have. He said, well, you know, when you had at a certain time in that day, you had us to bow our heads and to pray this prayer. He said, I just wanted you to know, I prayed that prayer. And he said, my life changed. And he said, man, I'm just, and he told me, he said, that's been years ago. And, and he said, I just, I just wanted you to know that it took, and, and, and I'm, I just, my whole life has turned around. He said, I had some, some, some issues with, with you know, abuse and chemicals and drugs. He said, just all kinds of crazy things were going on. He said, but my life changed that day. Sitting on the bleachers in this gymnasium. I said, man, that is so cool. I said, you just made my day. I said, I love that. He said, is there anything I can do for you? I want to do something for you. I said, okay, um, will you just pray for me? Would you include me in your... I said, just one day a week, would you just remember to give me a shout out? Just pray for me? I said, that... I would love that, to know I'm being prayed for. He said, I will, I'll do that. And this is the best part. He goes, now, tell me your name. <laughs> Dude, I'm the guy who preached the gospel to you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know your name. <laughs> I don't know who you are. You know? And I just, there is something in me. I said, you know what, I'm just going to tell you my first name. My, my name's Dan. Just remember Dan. I think it's kind of cool that you don't even know who I am. That's just the Holy Spirit. I'm just part of the process. I'm just one of the links in the chain. I'm just one of the guys in the relay race. Let me just keep doing analogies. I can go on. <laughs> and I just kind of, I just, there was something about that that I just thought was kind of cool. And I thought, God, this is what I, why I do what I do. Once, there was this charming and talented young lady from Great Britain. And her, her talent and her charm was only surpassed by her beauty and grace. She was just one of those attractive, standout kind of people, you know, that you just couldn't help but, but notice. But she became sick at the age of 30 and was bedridden. And this, this awful illness. And a Swiss evangelist named Caesar Malins took an interest in this lady. And he began to go over and to visit with her and to, to minister to her and to, to talk with her. 
And one day he shared with her that her greatest need in life was not just her physical healing, but a spiritual healing. And that that would only happen when she came to Christ. And she said, I'm just, I think what you're saying is probably true, but I can't, look at what do I have to offer? I'm in this bed probably for the rest of my life. I'll never be well. I don't have anything to give Jesus. I just, I don't have anything. I'm not worthy to to do this. And he explained to her, and he he said, no, you just need to come to Jesus just as you are. Just like you are. The young lady did that. And as a result, her life was changed forever. And based on that experience, Charlotte Elliott penned the words to the song that we sang a little while ago. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee. Oh, Lamb of God, I come, I come. And I know as we're walking through this series together and we want to go into the summer doing good deeds that a lot of folks in this room, I mean, you're, you're kind of like me. Maybe you feel like I'm not ready to do good. I, I, I like the idea. The concept is, okay, but not me. I, I think you need to get somebody else. You know, what I'm going to say to you is just come as you are. I come just as I am. You may not have the resources you feel like you need to have. You think, I'm just not equipped uh, really to do good. I don't have a lot of abilities. I don't have a lot of talents. Guess what? Me neither. Me neither. The beautiful thing about the kingdom is this. Just come with whatever you have. Your personality. Your quirks. Your limited budget. You know, all of those things. Just bring it and give it to God and say, God, I'm just willing to do good this week. I just want to do something good for somebody. You do that with authenticity and just that kind of openness with no strings attached. I, I just, I know sometimes I say, I promise. I get, oh, I wasn't going to believe him, but then he promised. I thought, hmm, maybe he's being honest. But I promise, God is going to amaze you. He's going to bless you at what he does through you. Especially when you do it and you don't care who gets the credit and where it ends up and where it goes. And you just let go of all of that and say, God, I just want to make a difference. And if they don't remember my name, they don't, that's, that's, that's cool. That, that's not why I'm doing it. God sees and God knows. And God's going to bless. He's going to bless us. He's going to bless others. And the kingdom's going to be blessed. Just through good deeds. Let me ask you the question. What is one good deed that you could do this week? Or let me reframe that. Would you be willing and open for God to show you that deed? Because here's what I found. There are times, <laughs> this is absolutely, this makes this make you believe in Jesus if you don't. You know, you just say, God, just show me by bringing me a need. Uh, people just walk up and go, excuse me, I have a need in my life. 
could you do a good deed for me? I mean, it'll just be almost that obvious. It'll be that plain. You're going to go, no way. Just like this, this royal official in Jesus. He's going to go, in the very hour at that moment, at 7 o'clock when Jesus said that, that's when my son's fever lifted. That's when he began to get well. That's when you noticed this marked difference in his physical condition. Yeah, right then. You're going to be surprised when you say, God, it's Monday morning, Memorial Day, okay? Um, maybe get a chance, but um, uh, even I'll take Tuesday or Wednesday. You know, let me get back in the groove. Let me get back in class or back at work. Uh, God, would you show me a good deed to do today? God's going to show you a good deed. I know you think, That's, okay, I'm going to come back Wednesday night at cafe and say, I didn't get no good deed this week. I don't know why you said that. It's, it, you're, you're just, unless you're just really walking backwards trying not to see it, it's just going to unfold in front of you, and you're going to go, huh? do a good deed. No strings attached. Let's pray about that. Let's pray right now. Let's don't wait till tomorrow or night or sometime. Let's pray right now. God, here's a good deed the Holy Spirit's already brought to my mind. Here's something I already know I'm going to do this for this guy or for this one. I, I, as Dan's speaking, I kind of felt like I already know something you've been wanting me to do or this is something you want me to do. And I, I'm just going to commit, God, this week I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the first step, whatever that is, in doing that. Or maybe you're going to say, God, I'm open to you to show me the good deed that you want me to do this week. No strings attached. I'll even do it anonymously. You know, we used to have a family, and we, we were in seminary, and things were really tough, and this guy would come by, and he'd leave groceries on our front doorstep. And we'd always run out to try to see who it was, and nobody would ever tell us. They wouldn't say, it was me. It was me. You may, you know. No, they just did it to be a blessing. And all these years later, I still talk about it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Will you be open? Let's pray about it, and then let's go do it. Let's just start. Let's do it today. Let's start doing it. I just love this. I, just, I love the energy that God is going to create in your life, the momentum forward spiritually you're going to experience um, when we begin to really believe what it is we say. And other people believe it because we're not just saying it anymore. We're doing it. We're doing it. You know what? I'm going to kneel right here, and I'm going to pray about some things I feel like God may be nudging me towards. If you want to join me and you want to pray with me, that would be amazing. That would be beautiful. If you feel like, no, nah, I'm comfortable right where I am. I think I'll just stay right here. That's okay, too. That's okay, too. Um, but if you want to, let's just pray together. Maybe a couple of people say, you know what? Let's do something together. Let's do it. My good deed, I can't do by myself. I'm going to need a partner. I'm going to need somebody to help me. That's called church. I love it. Let's pray. And then uh, you're welcome to pray and to be obedient the next step of the Holy Spirit, wherever he leads you. Father, we come to you just as we are, without one plea, without anything, except a dependence on your grace. And Father, we trust that you're going to lead us into some beautiful experiences this week. Father, I want to thank you over the last couple of weeks of hearing about some of the things you're doing in people's lives and just the blessing it is to us. Uh, you are amazing, and I want to thank you uh, it's just, we, we want to see it again. We want to see more, Lord. This week, would you show us what it is we're to do in someone else's life with no strings attached? Maybe it's a small thing, just something little to turn things around, just an act of kindness, a little bit of generosity, or maybe something so challenging that we have to sacrifice 
something that we wanted for ourselves or some of our time that's so precious. Whatever it is, we want to open up to you and be available. Work in and through us now, Father. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please? And let's just pray together.